It's obvious that when these two team up, the result is magical. This week in tennis. And we brought this dynamic duo together once again. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. My name's Phil Nasons. They call me The Flash. My partner of almost 10 years, Craig Doyle, and he's the man with the cash, is on the other line. Welcome to your own show, Craig. Yeah, I'm starting to like it. This is my show now. I'm taking over from you. Or perhaps not. Let's see how today goes. I don't know if you'll want to after this <laughs> after this carnage because we've had some fun. You know, uh, I, I made some picks, Craig, for the Western and Southern Open. And I think I am 8-7 and seven with four underdogs. I've been hitting dogs because, you know what, in matchups like this, when you don't really know for sure, and, and I don't care who you are, unless you're in their camp, you probably don't know for sure. You got to be careful and you got to take the player who you think has the better value. Now, I have a system, Craig, and I usually don't go for minus 150 and above. And I stick with that. And we're ahead because of it. But boy, this has been a toughie. What What do you think about this tournament so far, the Western and Southern Open, the precursor to the U.S. Open? Uh, it's been interesting. I mean, like you, I'm not doing too bad on the picks. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit behind you. But uh, it's been – there's been a lot of things that I expected, like last week on the show – I said I wasn't going to touch um, Karolina Pliskova, and in fact, I did bet against her, and that came in uh, round two, which was a pleasant surprise for me. But uh, there's been a couple of shocks as well that's uh, completely thrown me. So let's just say we're not back up to full speed on the tour yet. There's still going to be a few shocks here, and there's going to be a few shocks at the US Open, that's for sure. Well, you know... Uh... One of the most difficult and one shock of all. Looks like Naomi Osaka might go right now. I'm watching that. But, you know, people kind of thought that perhaps some of these players or all these players were getting in shape and practicing every day and doing what they do. And it's pretty obvious when you see them playing in a real match. And I'm not, talk I'm not saying World Team Tennis isn't a real tennis match. It is. I've been a part of World Team Tennis forever, okay? But it's not the same thing as an ATP or WTA event for a lot of reasons. And if I have to explain even half of them, you shouldn't be wagering on tennis or even commenting on it or pretending to analyze it because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But it became abundantly clear right off the bat who got ready for this in some type of way and who didn't. One person who did, and I've been on her train forever, is Greece's Maria Sakkari. She buried Coco Goff. And last night, it was weird because I was kind of flipping back and forth because I had the Vancouver Canucks last night at plus 190, and I had the over, and I wanted to watch a little bit of that. And Maria was losing in the tiebreaker, and I shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm going to. And I kind of looked away, and the next thing I know, she beat Serena 6-1 in the third. And I was like, wow, because she's ready to play. She, You could see she got ready. She worked with her coach all during this time. She was able to get her business done. And, man, you know, a lot of people, she was a big underdog against Coco Goff. And I picked Maria at the site at Cash with Flash Best Bets. And, of course, I had a little fun on Twitter about the match, Craig. But I didn't get personal, did I? 
Uh, you didn't get personal. You just got kind of unpopular for a bit well, with your uh, local audience. Well, whatever. You know what? At the end of the day, I was happy for Maria. You know, I'm happy for Coco Goff, but my God, that forehand of hers. You know, Maria had a game plan from the first point. She was going to fire the ball every time she could into Goff's forehand, and she destroyed her. And to be honest, Coco is young, I know, but I haven't seen a forehand this bad on the women's side ever, ever that I can remember from someone who is so heralded as she is. Can you think of any? Well, we were talking before the show, and I brought up Carlyle Wozniacki, but okay. I, you know, it's, I felt it was a similar thing because Carlyle Wozniacki's forehand, it's not what you would call a weapon, but I guess, you know, Wozniacki's won a grand slam with that forehand. Uh, it's hard to criticize at that point. She's uh, been in numerous slam semifinals, finals. She's won numerous tournaments with it. So I could say that her forehand was solid. I wouldn't say that Coco Gauff's forehand was solid. And, you know, I'm not seeing over the space of the few months that we've seen a lot of Coco Gauff on the TV that there's been any improvement there. And I'm going to start questioning now, will there be an improvement? Do you think there's going to be an improvement in that forehand over the next two to three years? Because without it, I don't think... Coco Gauff is going to reach the potential that a lot of people think that she will. Not not with the team she has behind her. She doesn't have any tennis people behind her. It's pretty apparent because they haven't done anything to fix it. It just gets worse. You know, it's, it's a really bad thing. There's a reason that they don't let kids under 18 play out on the tour. There's a lot of reasons. But when you watch a kid, she constantly was hitting the ball into the ground. She didn't even, she didn't even make to the service line with some of those forehands. She was completely overwhelmed. And, and more and more people are going to see that. And, and I know the, the naysayers will say, but Phil, no. But Phil, she's going to get better because she she's going to have more practice. Uh, no, that's not how it works, okay? That's not how it works. And the problem is that she doesn't have the ability yet, maybe she does, of staying away from that forehand, of keeping others away from her forehand. And when she does, she does okay. One or two or three points or four points of a set. But the end of the day is that's an ugly forehand and it's technically messed up. It's affecting her mentally. And this is what happens when teenagers try to play with adults. You know, it might be cute and all. And I get it. She wasn't getting enough competition, but She's not. She's going to have a hard time winning matches on the top tier of the junior level of the ITF with that forehand of hers because those girls are just as good as the ones that are beating her. They just don't have experience. So don't, so I would have to say to, in, a, in a long way around this, I don't see it. No, I don't see it either. But, you know, there's time. You don't know what's going to happen with her team. You know, maybe at some point she hits uh, 18, 20 years old. They go out and they start bringing in people who uh, can make the adjustments. It might be a little bit late by then, but she's she's definitely got something. She's got enough to get to the, the dance 
let's see if she can uh, bring some moves. Well, right now she's all hype. And that's a sad thing. You know, if you remember when she came bursting onto the scene, I said she shouldn't be playing out there because she's not fundamentally sound enough. And you know what? When you have all these adults telling you how good you are, you know, you need somebody in your corner somewhere who's, and I'm sure her parents keep her grounded to some extent, but ain't nobody helped that forehand. I mean, where's Patrick Moore Toglu? Isn't she training in France with him? Isn't she training with her daddy and, and her and Serena's coach? Isn't that what's going on over there? Because she ain't getting no better, dude. I mean, she's gotten worse. And it's not the layoff either. It's not the layoff. So what is it? I mean, it is what it is. But but the end of the day is she was completely outclassed by Maria Sakkari. And I don't have a whole lot of hope for her at the U.S. Open. I don't think that match is going to send her back to the practice courts trying to all of a sudden get a forehand that she doesn't have. And if you saw the body language after miss, 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 man, you got to be, if you're playing her, your eyes got to be big. Your smile's got to be wide. And you're thinking, wow, I just took this girl out on the grandstand court because that's where she plays her matches. Yeah, well, you know, that's part and parcel of the popularity thing. When a young player jumps on the scene early, the, the tennis federation, they want to cash in as quickly as they can by getting it on that big grandstand court. Um, whether there's a crowd there or not, they, they want to put their top stars, their top young players on the big courts. And, you know, sometimes that's not a good thing either. But Sometimes you, know what? you think a little bit of... Well, I'm sorry, you were breaking up. No, go on. I was just going to say no, I, she shouldn't be on the grandstand court. She should be on court 12 or court 14. You know, I don't care how big a draw she is. You know, she does really well in doubles because they can hide her forehand there. You ain't hiding nowhere in singles. And I think that her being out there with these top players is does her more harm than good because she clearly is not ready. Yeah, no, I was going to agree with that. That was the point I was just building up to there was that Perhaps, you know, court 14, court 16, something like that's a good place for her. Um, just cool things down a little bit. Let's not get carried away with the hype. Um, treat her like any other player. Let her build herself up. And, you know, if she does well out there, then she can earn a spot to play on the Grand Slam courts, uh, show courts like everybody else can. And I hope she does. You know what? I hope that she's able to turn this thing around. She's got a really good personality. She's a nice kid from what I've heard. But, uh, that was ugly, really ugly, and I was glad I bet against her. That, that kind of made sense to bet against her. Um, you know who the person, and, and I got to tell you this, they're not using DecoTurf anymore at the U.S. Open. To me, that disappoints me because that was my favorite surface, but my second favorite surface is Lake Cold Courts. They're faster than hell, and if you can serve, you're doing all right. Ask young Milos Raonic, a guy we've kind of given up on, but boy, he looks like a world beater this week what do you think about this week and of course his chances of going on at the u.s open and how far can he go can he keep this up he's had a little bit of a resurgence this year you know he's had his injury problems he had problems with that elbow he's had a few other problems that have uh, derailed his career, but you got to remember that this guy was in the Wimbledon final in 2016 where he lost to Andy Murray 
He was um, in the semi-finals of the ATP Tour Finals that year, where he was literally a point away from putting himself in the final. He lost to Murray then. And since then, it's it's been a, a few years of difficulties, a few years of injury problems. But this guy was causing problems to Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic. He's got a big game. And when he gets it all together and when he's fit and when he's healthy, what can you do when he bombs down a big serve on a court like this? Because even if you do get it back, you got to get a good play on that ball. Because if you don't get a good return on there, he's just going to come in and hit a winner. I mean, the ball just disappears on this surface so, so quickly that trying to defend against someone with that ability, it's not going to happen. I, I really see this guy as a good outside bet, a good dark horse to throw your money on. If you want to go for a tournament winner for the U.S. Open, have a go at this guy. Have a look, see what they're offering. It's going to be good value because he's been out for a while. He, he's not talked about as being one of the top players in the tournament. He's not in the young gun category. I think he could come from left field, and I think he could actually, you know, get his way into the final. He gets a good draw. You can see this guy in the final, especially without a Nadal or a Federer there. There's a lot of opportunities, and I think Milos Lianic is going to be one of those guys to cash in. You know what? That's right. You know, we, we were high on him when he first started. I love young Milos, as you know, but, man, it's not just his serve, though, Craig. I have never seen him hit the ball so cleanly as I have this week. I mean, he's knocking the snot out of the ball, and that's a beautiful thing to watch. This is what we've been waiting for for years. This is why John McEnroe went to help him out, because the talent has always been there, and now it seems to all catch up, and that surface, he's bombing aces. Can you imagine how many aces he's going to hit in a five-set match? My word, he's banging them out now. And he's going to have another set to do it? That's crazy. Or maybe two even. I like what he's putting out. But man, that forehand of his, he is just clocking the ball. And good for him, you know. And what you said about taking a shot at a tournament winner, that would be the guy I would do. I would choose for sure. I would wait till the draw comes out on Thursday or Friday. Though We don't have the draw in front of us, of course. But uh, at the end of the day, Milos has got to be one of the favorites, and he's up against Stefano Sisipas tonight. And you know who I chose? Did you see my picks today? Um, I no, I've not caught up with your picks today. Um, first day that I've missed them. Are you going to surprise me? Well, yeah, I took Milos to win. I would take wow, I take Cisipas every day and twice on Sunday usually, but you know he had trouble with Isner, and he's going to have even I mean he got through, but he's going to have real trouble with Rayonich the way Rayonich is serving and again the way he's hitting the ball so clean, you know Stefano Cisipas has nothing to be ashamed of this week, but he won't have anything to be ashamed of if he loses to Rayonich today and I think he's going to and Rayonich is a big underdog that's crazy. Yeah, you know, I think it just goes back to what we were just saying there about Rionic. He's been under the radar for a bit due to injury. His ranking fell a little bit. Uh, but he had a good Australian Open. He got to the quarterfinals. And hard court really suits his game. Grass suits his game. I mean, he must be kicking himself that the grass court season was cancelled this year because Rionic in this form on grass, this could have been his year. But um, 
yeah, let's let's see how this one goes because if Rionic wins this one, I think you know that that for me says that it, it's definitely worth a go on the U.S. Open. Um, he's going to do well. We don't know how the two big show courts are playing, but he ain't going to be playing on those show courts um, for the first few rounds. Best he'll get is on the grandstand up until like um, the second week. So I, I just see good things for this guy over the next few weeks. Well, I've already blown it. Milos Raonic is playing Filip Krasnovich. And I, I take Milos Raonic. It's Riley Opelka. See, I want I have to be careful because I, I have to whatever. But he was plus two hundred over Stefano Sisipas and I took Opelka for the same reason I would have taken Rayonich. Because Opelka is another one who's blasting aces and he's hitting the ball clean. And he could cause Sisipas some real trouble. And this is the US open for him, basically. So I took Opelka. I, I, I wanna apologize for that. I I was looking at my wrong notes again, Craig. Looking at the wrong notes. At least I'm picking winners, and that's all that really matters. But what do you think about Riley Opelka and what he's done through this fortnight or this week? I'm sorry, fortnight. It feels like forever, and we still got two more weeks to go. Oh, Riley's uh, he's the next John Isner, perhaps even better than John Isner. You know, he's one of those guys, big guy, big serve. Um, some people may say he's a bit one-dimensional. I think he's got a little bit more than that. He's got a little bit more than John Isner had. But he's a young guy, so let's see whether he, he can maximize on his potential because these guys with a big serve, these days you got to come with a little bit more than that. you got to have a bit of a defensive game. you got to have a return game. So, you know, it's early days in his career. I think he's impressed. He's, he's got further up the rankings quicker than I thought he was going to do. Let's see if either this week or next week he can maximize on his potential and start getting into the... Uh, the semifinals of events of this level and perhaps even at the Grand Slam level, you know, for him, he wants to be making the second week and then he wants to be pushing on. Can he get his name into the quarterfinals? That would be a good tournament for Riley Opelka if he gets into the quarterfinals because you get there, anything can happen. But uh, it's getting there as the first point and that's that's no easy task. No, it's not. And again, I apologize for the mix-up there and getting people messed up. But yeah, this is a big week for him, and and Sissipas is no, uh, you know, he's no easy challenge. But he didn't look that great. He looked he looked good this week, but not great. And he didn't look that great in his law or his victory over John Isner. Um, I think Opelka can take him. I, I still look for Stefano. Stefano Sissipas is another one who perhaps is someone you could bet on as a, uh, to win the U.S. Open or at least to get to the semifinals. I think he would be that guy. I think he could. We have to look at the draw. But this kid, Opelka, he's the next best hope for the United States. I mean, a lot of people were banking on France, Francis Tiafo, Craig Tiafo. And, and you know what we saw in other resurgence? You know what we found out? If in, in case some of you don't realize this, Andy Murray is a man out there. <laughs> and And this is something I wanted to talk about. I think that Francis Tiafo is a nice kid who's got a lot of talent, but I think the crowd is what helps him. All his big matches seem to be in the United States where he gets a lift, and there's no one to give him that lift, and Andy Murray gave him a lift right out of the tournament, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly did, and 
funny thing is that TFO wasn't playing bad tennis. Um, there were times, and I'm sure you're going to go into the technical detail here because we, we did have a little bit of a discussion about this. But um, yeah, TFO, he, he's got a he's got an interesting game. It's a bit different to the, the traditional game that you see now where you see a lot of guys playing from the back of the court all the time. He likes to come into the net, so there's definitely something unique about him. He's got something a bit different, but um, you can't play like he did against Andy Murray and expect to win. I mean, you can't play like he did against anyone in the top 20 or 30 and expect to win. And thats I, I don't know if that's going to be a mental hurdle with him or if he's going to figure it out and then push his way up the rankings. But I was a little bit disappointed in what I saw because I'd heard a lot of great things about TFO. And when you're playing against a guy who's just coming back from the kind of injury Andy Murray's had, I just feel like yeah, it was disappointing from TFO. Well, yeah, you know, um, it was really good for Andy Murray, though, because Andy's been through it all. TFO hasn't even started going through it yet. And, you know, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't see it. I see the talent. But there's something between his ears there that isn't going to allow him to go forward. Kind of like the way Andy Murray was when he was younger, remember? He would kind of go away. And you could see TFO going away. Um, I know he has his supporters, and I, I know why they support him. But at the end of the day, that kid didn't belong out there. And if Andy Murray was the healthy Andy Murray for love, like he was when he won Wimbledon, TFO doesn't win one game against him. So, so what kind of what are you trying to put out there? You know, you got something's not right in the United States tennis system. I don't know what that is, and I, maybe I don't care enough to find out. But they're traipsing out these kids who can't play at the highest level. I mean, they can hit, and they're they're very charismatic, and and, and apparently they're the right shade, and whatever. And then all of a sudden, they just fall on their ass. I think they're trying to replace Serena Williams, who's irreplaceable, by the way. And, you know, I, I don't know what they're trying to prove. Uh, this kid is a decent player, and he has a different kind of game, an all-court game, but his split step's late. And when your split step's late, everything else is going to go. His He volleys, he leaves with his elbow too much. That's a showboat shot. That's a Jamaican shot is what that is. That's a Jamaican tennis pro shot is what that is. No offense to my dear friends in Jamaica, but it is what it is. They know too. At the end of the day, he's got to put some work in. And I think he needs to sit down with his team or whoever that is and, and try to figure out which way he wants to go with this. You want to be an all-court player, you better learn how to do a couple of little things better. And I don't think he does yet. But boy, you know, people seem to like him. And this kind of when I was watching him play, Craig, I was thinking, what's the U.S. Open going to be like without a crowd? You know, because TFO, he's an emotional kid, and I think he does better when he has the support of the crowd, like most of us do. And without that crowd there, what's it going to be like for him and for a lot of people who thrive on those late night matches with people? spilling beer on the court and this and that. What's it going to be like? And and how does a TFO survive if he doesn't have the support of the fans behind him? Well, I can tell you what it's going to be like. It's going to be a lot like it is at the minute watching it. And when I've been watching it, <laughs> I think it's soulless. I think it's like watching two guys hitting up in a practice match. 
You know, when you go to the slums and you, you get there for the qualifying week, I mean, I've done that a few times and you go around and these guys have arrived early and they're having a practice set with someone else and you're sort of watching it and it's, it's really, really pedestrian and because there's no sort of reaction from the crowd after you have a big shot, you know, someone hits a down-the-line winner, you expect the roof to come off, or, well, literally off Arthur Ashe now because they've put a roof on that place and I know you love that. But Oh, um, yeah, I'm thrilled by it. So would Arthur, by the way. You know what I mean, though. You know, someone hits this huge shot. You expect the place to explode, but right. like it's yeah, it's just another shot. You know, you're not even sure if it's gone in, if it's hit, if it's found the line on the corner or not, because uh, there's no reaction. You know, you see a shot like that, and it's just like boom, wave of noise comes out, and that's what the opens all about. You know, you get in that out there, thirty plus, uh, thirty thousand plus people. Um, Nadal, you know, he, he wins a, a 40 shot rally with a, a running shot down the line. And just like, you, you're not going to have that. Where's the memories? Where's the moments where you're sitting there for, and you just suddenly spring to life because someone's played a ridiculous shot or, or, or won an incredible rally and the, the crowd rises to appreciate it. You, you don't get any of it. It's very subdued. It's very difficult to watch and, Adding commentary to it, I, I just think it makes it even worse. It's like, almost like golf. It's like golf commentary. You know, the commentators, they just can't get excited by what they're seeing because there's no atmosphere added to the to the event. And they could pump it in. You know, they're going to try and do that. They've pumped it in in other sports. You know, almost all the sports now have an option where they could pump in crowd noise, but it feels very artificial and it's, it's not good. So that's up to them what they want to do but for me it's it's going to have no atmosphere it's going to be soulless it's going to be real difficult to watch at times and especially with the longer best of five sets matches i i just think they're going to drag on and on and that's you know what that's right and the good thing is is at least we get to see tennis but it's really unfair to uh halt them for four or five months six months seven months and some or six months it's very unfair and then stick them into a grand slam <laughs> Oh, here, by the way, you got to go play here. You know, Serena last night against Maria Sakkari, that was kind of interesting, too, what happened. And I, and it brought up another thing, is that you have these uh, two different sets of rules, it seems. Now, there's no linesman out there, which would, doesn't bother me at all. I mean, most of them are sleeping in a chair anyway. But uh, there's still a chair umpire, and there's a Hawkeye judge or whatever, and that's what's doing it. But on the women's side, they have to get their own towels, even between points. And Serena almost got a, a time warning for that. Now, the men, they're handing the towels to. So, which is it? I guess they're experimenting with both to see which one. No, you don't do that. You, it's uniformity there. You you do it the same for everyone. You know, if I were the WTA, I'd be screaming right now. You know, you want them to be treated equal, but you don't treat them equally. And then you want to penalize them for going to get a towel to wipe their face. You know, when you when you heard Serena get interviewed before the match, she says, it's hot out here. I'm just happy to be alive. And she hadn't even started yet. And, and then she's got to go get her own towel. She's got to go do her own thing. Now the men's are doing it finally. I'm watching. Now they're getting their own towel now too. It's just strange. It's so much strange. But the, you know what? It re, one thing that reminds me, back to the – Back to the original topic. Remember when Naomi Osaka won the U.S. Open? And remember how that happened? Serena acted like a spoiled brat and turned the entire crowd against her 
and she didn't even really get a chance to celebrate her very first major tournament. You remember that one, Craig? Oh, I remember very well. That's how it's going to be for these winners of the Grand Slam. And and there's likely to be a first-time winner on the men's tour, and there's likely to be a first-time winner on the ladies' side. And there won't be any crowd there. There won't be anyone to cheer for. And, and no matter how many times Novak waves to the fake fans, there aren't any in the stands. And the best part of winning a major, I never would know because I never did, but the guys that I've coached and guys that I know – they say the best part is to walk around the court with the trophy and stop. Halfway, each way, stop, stick up the trophy, smile, kiss it a few times, and, and thank the fans for being on their side or against them and rubbing it in either way, right? And that's not going to be there. So basically what we have is when you go to the Grand Slams in a real one, in a normal one, it's like going to the hitting, it's going to the practice courts and just watching that. <laughs> Because they ain't reacting out there either. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing going on. It's just horrible. Yeah, and I was alluding to that earlier. Um, I know. I've done that a lot of times, going to those practice courts. And uh, people people think it's great to get up close to these players. And, you know, some of those people who will never get a ticket down the front of the show court, you know, you might not be able to get up close to Federer or Nadal. You will in the practice courts. But, um it doesn't have that same energy, that same atmosphere when you're there. It's just literally a guy standing there or a girl standing there. They're hitting the ball. Um, pressure's off. It, it just doesn't feel like there's uh, any energy back in it. Um, you're going to see a lot of that this week. And, you know, it, it's the fact is on the TV, they'll be able to cover a lot of it up. Um, they'll not be able to cover the fact that there's no fans in the crowd. Uh, visually, even though the TV angle might do a little bit of that for them. But uh, it's all the sort of things that players will miss around the grounds as well. Because when you're at the Open, the whole place is buzzing. You you walk from the food courts to the, the outside courts to the show courts. There's things happening everywhere. You know, they've got a band playing uh, pretty much all day long out there. It's like a, one big massive party. Um, that's all going on while these matches are taking place. There's things all day, every day for people to do that doesn't always involve standing at the side of the tennis court. And you take all that away, you take away all the junior tournaments, you take away uh, some of the other events that they have on. It's um, it, it just becomes small time, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's not the US Open without all the things that make it the US Open. And there's so many more things at the US Open than just the tennis matches between the top players um, on the singles and doubles tours. Well, you just hit the nail on the head right there. That's part of it. It's, it, it is a party. It's a festival. It's celebrating the United States Tennis Association is what it's supposed to do. The fourth major of the year. The biggest party because it's the last party of the season. It's in New York. It's hotter than hell. The humidity is about 99%. And you gruel and you fight and, you, and you're hurt because you've been playing for 40 weeks already or 30 weeks or whatever it is. And you've been traveling about 30,000 miles a month like Jim Courier used to do. And, and you go, I'm in New York City. There's stuff to do on the grounds. There's stuff to do off the grounds. But unfortunately for them, all they have are the tennis matches and the hotel. That's it. There's nothing else for them to do. They're not allowed to venture out. They're not allowed to do all kinds of things. And it is tough, very, very tough. 
And we'll have to wait and see how it plays out, how it pans out. I'm just happy that there hasn't been any positive tests because I don't want to see any of these young people get sick or, more importantly, get some kind of uh, post illness that hurts their lungs or some crap that goes on some some side effect from this nonsense that's why i didn't want this tournament to be played and i'm glad they're playing it's been fun to watch you know who's been fun to watch victoria azarenka you want to talk about a resurgence there's one you know another resurgence and another great a great story is vera zivanareva you want to talk about someone who I worried about for years who might have committed suicide. That's how, how much I worried about that young lady. And look at her now. So there's some great things, right, Craig? I mean, don't listen to gloomy Gus Flash. I mean, there's still some great things, right? Absolutely. There's definitely great things going on. There's people coming back. You know, Andy Murray's a positive story. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> coming back from his injury, beating Alexander Zverev. I mean, that was just, you know, unthinkable. Um, we've got another positive story in the making at the minute because about 30 minutes ago you told me Naomi Osaka was about to depart the tournament but she's decided that she's not going to be leaving the tournament after all um, she's gone on a good spell and that, that's a young lady who's had a difficult year or so since she became a Grand Slam champion double Grand Slam champion I believe if, if, if I'm not wrong um, she uh, you know it, that was difficult for her but She's coming through that spell, and it looks like she's uh, she's going to be a name to watch at the U.S. Open. Absolutely, you know we do have some names to watch. Um, I think I think Daniel Medvedev is another one who is a name to watch. Look, Batusta Agut is trying to give him something to hang his hat on. It's four five in the second set with Medvedev up a set and serving a tie up at five five. Great stories. I mean, Andy Murray is a great story. Um, the fact that Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer aren't here is is not great for tennis, but it's great for somebody because there's a very good chance. And Novak Djokovic is playing pretty well, like he usually does. But there's a very good chance we could have a someone who isn't Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer or Novak Djokovic winning a major or Andy Murray winning a major. I don't think Andy Murray can win this major but look for him, you know. Um, we'll have picks every day, too. This has been great. Um, on the women's side, Maria Sakkari, she's one that I would look for. Victoria Azarenka, if you're looking for a long shot, that would be one of them. Victoria Azarenka, Vera Zavonareva. She might not have the game anymore, but she could win a couple matches. I'm more of a let's-take-it-day-by-day day type of guy, type of, what do you call me, a handicapper? I guess that's what they call me. Um and I would use a fixed unit system, which means I play the same bet every single time, no matter what match it is. So don't ask me about units. Um, I look for underdogs because you have to bet underdogs to win tennis to profit in the sport of tennis because these lines are sickening after the second or third day. Right, Craig? No, absolutely. Um, and I, I would just urge anyone out there to go check out your strategy, go check out your website, have a look at your picks, see what you can learn. Well, that's just it. I hope so. Um, and, you know, you, you've been very cautious because you're like me. You know, we don't know really what to expect. The big takeaway from this week is that these courts are playing fast, very fast. So you want to look for big servers. 
The other thing that I've noticed is that the head-to-head seem to be staying in line with normal times, meaning you know what they did against each other seems to still have some type of effect on what they're doing now. So that's a big one. Serena Williams is still a favorite, I would think, don't you? Serena Williams will always be a favorite. Um, always. Anyone who's won as many Grand Slams as Serena Williams has won over the period of time that she's been playing. On her day, she's not going to be playable to 90% of the players on that tour. They, they couldn't handle that. Um, it's it's she. The only difficulty that comes with that is with her status is that you're never going to really be given the opportunity to come in and have a bet on her. Um, the the money's never going to be in your favor. So she, she's not one that I'll be, be backing, but um, keep an eye on the draw. See who she's playing. Maybe you, you'll find an opportunity to bet against her if you see someone who's picked up a little bit of momentum. But um, I think there's a lot of players, particularly on the women's side, who could really make a name for themselves here. Well, I'll tell you what. That was the first time in a long time I can't I can't even remember if I've ever done this. Bet against Serena before the semifinals, <laughs> but I did last night, and that's the right that's the right approach to betting this tournament. People, seriously, forget about all the everything else that you just learned. Of course, well, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Uh, end of the day, you have to take them match by match. The 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 scuttlebutt in the ladies' locker room is if you can hang around in the second set with Serena, she might give you a free play or two. So if you're going to bet on Serena Williams matches, live betting is the way to go with her. And just watch her. You know, she's getting up there. She she might still be great, but she ain't what she used to be. I mean, having a baby takes its toll on you. Her, her life has changed. Um, her priorities have changed, but she seems to be in better shape. She, she put up a fight for a while last night, so she would be one. I'll tell you who I would probably look to early, and she'll probably be an underdog also. And a match or two would be her sister, Venus. This is the type of surface that she will excel on because this thing is fast. It's lightning fast, and, and that's a good thing for her. Um, on the men's side, John Isner, of course. He, you can get him sometimes cheap. He'll be seated, of course. Um, Riley Opelka. He's one I like a lot. This kid, that kid, that German kid, Struff, is it Struff? Or is it Struff? Struff, I think. The, the, he was tough as hell yesterday, and he's blasting aces too. He's another kid that you could look at to make some damage. We'll see what he does today against Novak Djokovic, but there's so many ways to make money betting on tennis. There's You can still enjoy it and sit back and watch. I plan on it. It's on ESPN the entire two weeks. Um, I'll have it on all the time. I'll have picks every day. Craig might jump in. Maybe he doesn't. But until whatever, you know, next week we'll be here. Right, Craig? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm sure next week we could be talking about Novak Djokovic going on another streak because I believe he's unbeaten this year, which technically, you know, there's not been that many tournaments, but it's still been 20 matches since he's lost. So let's... Uh, Let's see where, where Novak Djokovic is, is next week. Will we be calling him the favorite for the U.S. Open? Or will uh, someone like Daniel Medvedev come out this week and win this one? Because he got to the final last year. He could be a real great shout 
uh, for the U.S. Open. So let's see where we are next week, and uh, we'll give you some picks for the U.S. Open. Maybe so. You know what? My my picks, it starts on Monday, so we'll be here on Wednesday. My winners, I'm going to pick Novak Djokovic to win the men's, and I'm going to pick, oh, on the ladies' side, you know who I'm going to take? I'm going to take Serena Williams. I'm going to take Novak and Serena to win. Who do you like? Who are you going to take? Um, I'm going to have a go on uh, Medvedev. I like his game. Okay. Um, big, big game. He's got a big serve too, and he really likes to to hit the ball. Um, on the women's side, um, wow, this this you know, <laughs> like being asked to pick one from 128 or one of us in the draw. Um, I, I think I'm going to go a little bit safe and I think I'm going to pick Osaka because I like the way she's playing at the minute. She's really coming back into it. I'm watching her right now. Um, I've not seen her like this for a long time and I think uh, the fact that the crowd's not there, take the pressure off her, she's going to be feeling good. I'm going to go Osaka. Oh, man, those are great picks. Those are great picks. All right, this was a scatter shot this week in tennis, I'll tell you that. But I had a lot of fun. I know Craig did. Be safe out there. Enjoy the tennis. For Craig Doyle, I'm Phil Nasons. We want to thank you for listening to This Week in Tennis. This Week in Tennis.